So, um, we're just spending a lot of time talking about disciples, discipleship, what disciples do. Disciples on Mission is our current series, and that's because Jesus commanded us to go make disciples everywhere. And it basically means that disciples get to do everything that Jesus did because they represent him. That's no, that is definitely true following the Great Commission where every Christian was sent to go and do the good things that Jesus did and greater things. And the Holy Spirit came to give us power to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so at the moment we're looking at healing because that was one of the clearest things God said is go and heal the sick, cast out demons, declare the good news everywhere. And healing is very much like giving out free samples from heaven. And we want more of those, don't we? want to see more of healing. And last week I just took some time to unpack the fact that healing isn't just about physical healing. And sometimes we can get a bit physically obsessed because we're quite physical beings. And so we think that if God hasn't touched us in that way, he hasn't touched us. Whereas God heals us in much wider ways, much fuller experiences than that. Though saying that, I want to just share a couple of stories to start off with about physical healings. So a few years ago, uh, and I couldn't remember who was in the team. I think Darren might have been with me, but we were out on the streets in Solihull one Christmas. And we saw this guy sitting on a bench uh, around by Costa Coffee. And uh, he had crutches with him. So, you know, we discerned that he might have something wrong. (laughs) And we went up to him and uh, he told us this story about how he got injured and how he probably wasn't going to walk again properly. And uh, and so we said, well, we're Christians. We're out here blessing Sully Hull and we'd love to just pray for you for healing. Would would that be okay? Well, all right then. And it wasn't full of faith at all. And so we just literally put our hands on him saying, Jesus name, we speak healing to you. Get up and walk. And then I said, right, so try and get up now. He said, what, is that it? I said, what do you mean, is that it? Is that all you're going to pray? I said, yeah, God moves very quickly sometimes. Just get up and see if you can walk. He stood up and then he walked. And he walked right away from us in the other direction. (laughs) And we stood there going like that. He left his crutches behind and he didn't come back. (laughs) So I'm sorry, I can't actually tell you any more about him, just that God came, he got up, he was amazed, he walked, and we just were amazed too, because God is amazing. I think that deserves a round of applause to Jesus. Although as we've been saying that uh, healing isn't always about the physical, although it can start in the physical, there are often very other, uh, there are lots of different aspects to healing, and we don't want to get tunnel vision and limited So a few years ago, um, quite a few years ago, but it's a really good story. Some of you have heard some of the story before. There was a lady in our office who struggled with asthma. She had severe asthma to such an extent she couldn't even walk up the steps of her house. And she was only a young lady. Uh, So she lived at the bottom of a hill, at the top of a hill, had to walk up a little hill and then walk up some steps. She couldn't even get to her front door without taking a puff of her um, inhaler. And uh, so I'd been sharing stories with her about how God heals people. And then one particular day, she ran into my office 
And she said in huffy, puffy words, I'm having an asthma attack. You said Jesus heals people. You better pray for me now. And it kind of puts you on the spot when that happens. So I said, well, sit down on the chair there and I'll pray. And I said, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, come. And, and I just released her and prayed for her. She said afterwards it felt like fire was all over her skin. She started sweating. She felt warmth going through her lungs. And over the next hour, it wasn't instant, but over the next hour, the symptoms completely disappeared. And it was amazing. She was able to walk around. And then over the next few weeks, even, I can't remember exactly how long it was, but it was over a protracted period of time, she was living without her puffer. So she was able to do all kinds of things she'd never been able to do before. It was quite remarkable. But I think it was about two weeks later, she had a dream one night. And in her dream, uh, she woke up in her dream. She was still asleep. But she woke up in her dream and looked outside the window and saw a tree outside the window. And in the tree were lots of hangman's nooses. And as she looked at the hangman's noose, she said she felt like it was coming around her throat. And... She didn't understand the dream, but woke up very frightened. So does anybody want to guess what was going on there? Or what would you say was happening there? So what would be an interpretation of the dream? Just shout it out, don't worry. What is it? What's fear? It might be fear. Say again. Afraid of the asthma coming back. Anything else? The stopping of breath, something that was coming to stop. So really what she was seeing was a demonic thing that was going on in her life, that the root of the illness that she had was demonic. So I interpreted this dream for her and I said, look, I don't want to frighten you, but I just want to tell you that, you know, you've lived like this without asthma. It will come back if you don't come back, if you don't come to Jesus now. And she didn't come to Jesus. And I think it was, you know, six months later that she had her first asthma attack which was miraculous in itself because she'd have quite a serious asthma attack several times in a week. That was how severe her asthma was. Uh, but there is a, 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 it's not just about the physical. We need to be tuned in to everything else that God is doing as well. I, I used to go to a, an Indian restaurant, and whenever I went there, the man would say, oh, back problems, back again, will you pray for me? And I pray for him, and it was like the pain would rush all over his back. And I thought, this is demonic. So I'd just pray, and then eventually get it, and his pain would go away until I visited the restaurant again. He said, oh, it's back again. I said, look, it will keep coming back if you don't come to Jesus. He says, I don't need to come to Jesus. I just need to wait for you to come and have your next curry. (laughs) Honestly, some people. Listen, do you know what you've got? Do you know who you are? That song was amazing that we just sang, wasn't it? Do you know who you are and do you know what you've got? Because that's what this series is about. We've got something to give away. Jesus said to his disciples, freely you've received, freely give. And I want to encourage you. I'm believing God to release an anointing of faith today for healing. That everyone can pray for the sick and see them healed. Everyone can pray for healing and see change in people's lives. We're the church of changed lives. That's why we want to do this thing at Christmas. We want to talk about the lives that have been changed. How God is changing lives by the power of God. Freely you have received, freely give. I want you to be in faith for healing. 
Because it's part of the mission that we're on. So how are we going to bring healing to other people? And I want to just get really practical with you. We might even try some stuff out as we go along. So if you don't want to participate, I suggest you leave right now. No, it's just joking. I won't put you under pressure. I just want to pray for us because I do want to pray for uh, an anointing to come for faith now, for healing. So if you'd like that, would you just put your hands out? So right at the beginning, Holy Spirit, we just release anointing right now. Thank you for the spirit of joy that was amongst us this morning. Would you release a spirit of joy and faith and hope in the whole area of healing? I pray that you'd release faith amongst us. Thank you for the barriers we pulled down last week. Now, Lord, would you release faith amongst us for healing in Jesus' name. I just pray that a godly confidence would come upon us so that when we encounter people that are um, that need healing, We don't go into panic mode, but we actually rely on the Holy Spirit, that we can be confident in your anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do we bring healing to somebody? Wouldn't it be great if I could just come out with, okay, here are three guaranteed ways that you can get somebody healed. I'd just love, you know, I'd make a fortune in the charismatic world, wouldn't I? But there is no technique or formula that is guaranteed to bring you 100% success. Sorry. Um, And in fact, what I've discovered is that whenever I find that really works well, somehow God changes things and it doesn't happen anymore. So don't look for formulas. But here's, here's the clarity that I can bring you. Be led by the Spirit. That is the clearest thing I can say to you. I mean, Jesus, that's how he modeled healing to people. If you look through the pages of the Gospels, you'll see that he brought healing to people in different ways all the time. So sometimes he touched people. Other times they touched him and were healed. Uh, Often he commanded the sickness to go. Other times he simply told people they were better. And it was obvious for all to see that they really were. And there was a time when he spat on the ground to make some mud and put it on a blind man's eyes. I've never done that one. Another time he just laid his hands on a blind man and he could see. One time he forgave sin and healed somebody. Another time he says it's nothing to do with sin. Sometimes he cast out demons and saw a man seated in his right mind, clothed and seated in his right mind. Another time he placed his hands on a man's head and he spoke to his brain and told him to see. (laughs) That's cool, isn't it? My friend Dave Price uh, just came back from India and he was telling a story this week about a, a child that he, he saw and the parents brought this child and said he, he had polio, wasn't able to walk, had no strength in his limbs at all. He was told he was never going to walk. And when Dave saw him, he said the Holy Spirit came on him and he couldn't stop crying. It's just right, really inconvenient right now. I'm trying to think of a prayer to pray and all he could do is hold this child and cry. And he didn't even get to pray for the child because he had to move on to somebody else. A week later, he had a message to say the child has started hopping on one foot (laughs) and is beginning to show signs of an ability to walk. Not a complete healing, but it's the beginning of something. And all he did was cry over this child. How amazing is that? There is no set technique or way of doing it. Just We need to be full of the Holy Spirit and we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I mean this step by step, actually, because he won't always do what you think he should do. And he won't always heal what you want him to heal. Or he won't always do it the way that you've done it before. So you better be really close to him and find out what he wants to do next so that you know what to do next to partner with him. 
So, but saying all that, I've got three steps. <laughs> I've got three steps that you can use to bring healing to people, but they're just guidelines uh, that you can follow to get you started. And so step one is create an atmosphere for healing. Step two, learn to see what the spirit is doing. Step three, use the tools that are in your bag. So here we go. Step one, create an atmosphere for healing. How do we do that? We invite the Holy Spirit to come. We invite him to make his presence known. This is what it actually means to be led by him. It means to wait for the Holy Spirit to come and then to see what he's doing. And in doing so, we create an atmosphere of expectation and dependence on him. And this is true even when praying for an unbeliever. I will always start with, I'm, just, I'm not very good at healing people. I'd explain that to them. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to touch you. And I'll just wait for a moment. But I don't wait too long just in case they run away. <laughs> but he often comes very quickly, it seems, with the unbeliever for some reason. But in asking him to come quick, in asking him to come, we make it clear that to all who are listening, and I mean spiritually as well as physically, that he is the one who brings healing. And that's because I don't want people healed by the force of my personality. Do you know that is possible? Or by any other psychological tricks or manipulation. I want it to be God. And I want him to get the glory. So I would rather dial things down and wait for him than hype things up. And people feel better for a bit and I quoted that statistic last week about 80% of healing is psychosomatic. And that's a real thing. 80% of the cause of sickness in a lot of us is psychosomatic reasons. So if you think about that, you can heal somebody by making them feel better and pain will diminish and all kinds of things. I don't want to do that. I mean, I want to encourage people, but I want the Holy Spirit to touch them for the healing to be genuine. And sometimes he comes quickly, but often you will need to wait for him. So don't be anxious about this. Relax <laughs> and wait until you know that he's near. Hyping things up is never helpful or productive. It's usually distracting or even unsettling for the person being prayed for. I've often wondered, you know, it says um, in the book of James about uh, if anyone's sick amongst you, call for the elders of the church and they will anoint you with oil. And I'm not going to open it now because I'll get a mess on my fingers. They'll anoint you with oil and then the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And I've often wondered about this. I mean, oil doesn't actually do anything, does it? But what I've realized is what, what the early church did was to, to show that they are waiting for the Holy Spirit. The anointing of oil is a sign of the Holy Spirit. It's bringing the Holy Spirit into the situation. So we've got some oil here. If anyone would like prayer at the end, we'd love to pray for you and anoint you with oil. But it's just a sign of the Holy Spirit coming. It's a sign of our dependence upon him. That's why we anoint with oil. So during this waiting time, I'll often explain why we are waiting and encourage people to be open to God. And I get them involved in it. Even if they're unbelievers, I'll say, why don't you ask God to heal you too? Why don't you invite him to come close? Now, just be careful during this time. Watch your heart at this time. Do you remember we were looking at the, the barriers to healing last week? If you haven't heard that talk, I think you, you really need to listen to it. I think it will change your perspective 
on healing. But in these times, often in that waiting time, fear comes and doubts assail us in that point of waiting. And quite honestly, it's easy to get overwhelmed when people are suffering anyway. We get emotionally involved. But it's God who heals, not us. Okay, so we need him to come. We need to wait for him. And I say this because then it frees us up a bit from the pressure of having to make something happening happen. I'm, you know, I remember the first times I prayed for people for healing, I feel under a lot of pressure that something would happen. You know, why don't they fall down at least? Or something needs to happen. Or can't they just shake a bit or something and nothing's happening? Don't feel under pressure. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. We just obey God. We pray for the sick like he told us to do. Pray for healing and wait. And then it's up to God. So how do we know if he comes? It's great talking about this, isn't it? Yeah, we'll wait for the Holy Spirit to come. How long do we wait for? How do we know that when he comes? Well, most people need their eyes open for this. Um, depends if you're a seer, hearer, or a feeler, I guess. But there's all kinds of different things that can happen. Firstly, it's quite often an emotional response when the Holy Spirit comes near in people. So sometimes they'll t- they'll cry, or they'll they'll make noises, or there'll be expressions of praise, laughter, calmness, and stillness. There's a bit of joy breaking out this morning because the Holy Spirit was around, and some people were wanting to laugh, and you should have just felt free to do that. I could sense that amongst us. And there can be physical manifestations. People, sometimes people can shake or tremble. They can fall over or their eyelids just flutter or there's a faint perspiring, a sheen on their face, ripples on their skin. Just look for changes that are happening. Or uh, for me, quite often I just get a feeling. I I can feel power going through my hands, particularly if I'm touching somebody. There's a rushing sensation. Oh, and the Holy Spirit's here. It's like electricity. You can feel the power coming. Um, or often there's just a spiritual witness. I just know. I just know that he's here. There's a deep sense of peace. Or there may be atmospheric changes in the room. <laughs> just a kind of a brightness around you, a, a thickness in the atmosphere. So those are some of the things uh, that, that help us to know when the Holy Spirit is here. Would you like to try it out? Just stand up a minute. I told you I was going to get you to participate, if you want to. And just put your hands out and just say, Holy Spirit, will you make your presence known to me right now? Thank you, Holy Spirit. When you're feeling something, some of you might just get a weight on your hands, just a, you might feel a touch of electricity like static or... Just a peace coming on you. You suddenly feel very peaceful. Okay, the Holy Spirit's on you right now. And when you've got that, why don't you just turn to the person next to you, and if they're still standing with their hands out, that's fine, and just put your hands on them, and just say, Holy Spirit, will you come on them? Just put your hands on them. So the Holy Spirit's on Pam right now. Just sort of put your hands on her. So with Pam, you could see she was just starting to sway a bit there as the Holy Spirit was coming on her. Some of you are just getting an overwhelming sense of peace. That's good. Just go with that. Some of you want to giggle right now. That's fine as well. You know, healing, often God releases joy in healing and you laugh. There's something very healing about joy. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just keep coming, keep doing what you want to do. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. Thank you, Lord. Now I want you to, <laughs> whatever you're feeling right now, whatever you're experiencing, maybe it's just like that weight on your hands or whatever, just say, Lord, would you increase it, please? Just increase your anointing on me now. You invite him to come some more. And if you're praying for somebody, why don't you just say to them, Holy Spirit, will you just increase your anointing on them right now? Lord, we want more. Thank you, Jesus. So some people will get it more emotionally, more physically. For some people, it's more of a deep knowing. I just know that he's here. That's okay. You don't have to get it like somebody else gets it. Or maybe you just feel in the atmosphere, there's a change in the atmosphere, just the presence of God being here. But that's okay. It doesn't need to be the same for everybody. The other thing you can do is rely on what prophets say, and prophets will often say, God's here. (laughs) And you can put your faith in what's being said. Other people are saying that he's here. I'm going to trust that. But he is. He's definitely here. Amen. So sit down. I hope you enjoyed a little touch there. (laughs) Feel free to keep receiving the Holy Spirit. So we need to learn how to experience the Holy Spirit for ourselves so that we can see it in other people. If you have no concept yourself... And how can you help other people to engage with the Holy Spirit? So that's what that little exercise was about. So some or, or all or some, many of these are indications of the presence of the Holy Spirit. But just in that little exercise, you may have had different ones. I'd love to hear what they were <laughs> afterwards. That'd be great. <laughs> Whew. And I just also need to say that I haven't often seen these signs with unbelievers. And that's okay. It seems like God can heal people who don't know him without any kind of manifestation. I told you about the lady in my office. She felt like fire all over her. Several people have said to me, unbelievers said, I felt warmth going through me. But they don't get a lot of the other uh, manifestations. But don't look for that. Don't worry about that. Um, you rely on your own discernment in that when you're praying. And so when you say, Holy Spirit, come and say, right, now's time to pray. And then pray for them. Um, so, and when the Spirit comes, when we've known his presence, that's the time to start praying into the condition. And this is uh, where we need to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. So create that atmosphere, see what the Spirit is doing. And really what I'm talking about here is about being deliberately open what to do here. I've done this a million times. But be deliberately open to God. And often out of nerves or enthusiasm, we jump in with both feet. We start praying for people straight away, whatever pops into our heads. And there can be some benefit in praying straight away, but more often it's to build our own faith. You know, just pray out scripture verses, things about healing that we can stand on. That, that can help. But let me just say, don't let your prayers take over that ministry time. Don't just be talking all the time. 
Um, I know some people just fall into that trap. We end up just talking and talking and talking, and then we wonder why nobody's healed. Well, they've probably got bored. I don't know. Maybe God has too. But um, just make some time to listen. Just stop. Just wait. Just say, okay, Holy Spirit, I want to know what you want me to do. Take some time to listen because sometimes you'll find that God just leads you very specifically in how to pray for somebody. So you can say things like, Lord, what do you want me to do now? That's a good one. <laughs> what do you want me to do now? Your presence is here. How do you want to use me? How should I pray? What's at the root of this? Lord, will you? I'm open to you. I'm dependent on you. I need you to show me what to do. And just wait again. So what kind of things might we see? Well, there's all kinds of different things that God can give us during these times. I'm just going to give you a few ideas, but really I'm not trying to limit anybody. So quite often uh, a picture will just come into your head. I remember praying for somebody who had a, a problem with their right shoulder. And as I prayed for their shoulder, I saw a red spot in exactly the point of the pain and I put my finger right on it, and he said, ah, oh, that really hurts. I said, oh, good, I've got it. <laughs> and as I prayed, I saw, like, water being poured on the spot and steam. And I, it was so vivid, the steam that came off the heat. I, I, am not, I don't know even today whether I actually saw steam or whether it was a vision, but it was very, very clear that steam just came off and he was instantly healed. It was a picture. I followed the picture. I went with the picture and prayed on the back of that. Sometimes you can get a sympathy pain when you're praying for somebody. You can feel what they're feeling. And that can be a bit distracting, but it also can be really helpful because you can pray exactly what needs to happen and you can feel it happening. That's pretty cool, that one. You can actually say, oh, the pain's diminishing right now. Yeah, I can feel it. Well, you're all looking at me with that one. You can have uh, impressions about things. Uh, I don't mean uh, impressions. Uh, but a kind of a deep... I was just going to do a Frank Spencer then, but I thought it was in, inappropriate. Um, but sometimes you can just get a deep knowing in your spirit, just an impression. This is what God wants me to do. This is what I should do now. And just go with that. It's the Frank Spencer anointing. <laughs> or in that time you can get, you can hear things or, or see words. God will give you very specific words. I was praying with somebody recently and uh, I said, uh, oh, what was the phrase? That deacon really annoys me. That was the phrase that came into my head. What does that mean? That deacon really annoys me. I was praying for a chap in another church. And sure enough, he started to cry straight away when I said this phrase. He said, yeah, that's what's going on right now. There's a deacon. I've said it for years. That guy, he really annoys me, winds me up. I said, well, I think God wants you to repent of that. I think something's got in because of that. He wanted me to pray about something else, but that's what God gave me. Hearing or seeing words or scripture passages that can just suddenly come to mind that you can use and pray through or words being formed on your tongue and praying unexpected things. That can be fun. So remember, if praying for something physical, it can often be more than physical. As I was saying last time, we're interested in healing the whole person, spirit, mind, emotions, heart and body. So ask the Holy Spirit to show you where to start. Allow the Spirit to lead you and you'll deal, you'll deal with all kinds of stuff. I'm actually getting a bit drunk up here. Um, you'll actually deal with all kinds of stuff when you thought you were just praying for a sore knee. 
So I was at a church, uh, Kettering Church, who's, they're connected to us, and I was preaching there, and at the end, a man came forward, he's just become a Christian, and he was absolutely overwhelmed with pain in his joints, in his elbows, in his back, uh, his hips, his knee, and uh, so I started to pray for him, and I started at the top and, and worked down, and as I prayed down, the pain was diminishing as I went down his body, but got stuck at around here. And uh, and I, I thought, what's going on here? There's obviously there's there's favour to heal this man right now, but for some reason I can't get below his knees, below his hips. And so I stopped and I said, okay, let's just talk a bit then. Um, why would there be a problem? Why is there resistance when it comes to praying around your hips and your knees? I have no idea. His wife, who'd been a Christian for some years, said. Oh, that will be the uh, New Age faith healer that he went to. And she then described how he'd got so desperate with pain in the lower half of his body, he'd gone to a faith healer because he just couldn't find any way of getting relief from pain. she put needles in him, done all kinds of incantations. And I said, well, that's, that's not right. You know, that's witchcraft. You need to repent of that. Just become a Christian, this guy. So I led him through some steps to repentance. And then I said, now in Jesus' name, be healed. And he was completely restored. All the pain left his body. It was a curse that had come on him, actually. So he just broke the power of that curse, and he was healed. He was so excited. He ran around the whole church, um, which he hadn't been able to done, do for years. And I was thought I was just praying for a sore knee. That's how it started. And we ended up doing that whole thing. Um, so just be led by the Spirit. You'll be amazed if, if you watch him, if you watch the Holy Spirit, if you listen to him, if you engage with him, what he'll lead you to pay, pray for. And the other thing I'd say is uh, I made this mistake once, um, and I only did it once because it was a really bad mistake. Don't feel like you have to deal with everything all at once. It can be quite exciting when you start seeing people healed. Um, you get a bit kind of high on it. And I ended up praying for somebody who literally got up and walked. And they hadn't been able to walk. And I got really excited, so I started praying all kinds of stuff over them, thinking, yeah, come on, let's go for it. Let's get the whole thing sorted. It was too much for her. She couldn't cope with it. She ended up being ill, mental health-wise, because she couldn't actually cope with the healing, which is a bizarre thing. But if you've been long-term ill and you're suddenly healed, living with that is a different thing. And maybe we don't understand that, but so often I'll be sensitive. When I know somebody has been long-term sick, I'll just break it down a bit, say, okay, what have you got faith for right now? There's a man who came uh, here a few months ago who came in a wheelchair. I don't know if you noticed him. Lovely man. And uh, he, he sent a message he wanted to be prayed for. And so I went up to him, and now you see the wheelchair. You think, oh, well, obviously he wants this, that, and everything else. And I thought, no, I'm not going to make that mistake again. So I said, what would you like me to pray for today? What have you got faith for right now? What, what would make the difference right now? He cried. He straight away he said, do you know, so many times people have come up to me, they've just laid hands on speaking in tongues, all this kind of thing, trying to get me up and walking and all this kind of thing. And I don't want that. I don't think I could cope with it if it happened. He says, you're the first person that's ever just said, what do you want? I thought, well, that's because of the lesson I learned <laughs> a few years ago. And he said, well, what would make the difference for me is I just... You know, the pain in my back. I sit in this chair all day. And I've got a lot of pain in my back. I say, okay, we'll pray about that then. Just see what the Spirit's doing, but also use some common sense. 
and just speak to people. I don't know why I shared that one, but there you go. So don't feel you have to deal with everything all at once. It might be good to stop and talk and agree to pray with somebody again or get somebody else along to join you as you pray next time. Um, but we, So now we've created an atmosphere. That's point two. We've sit, Sorry, point one. And now we're seeing what the Spirit is doing. What comes next? Well, what are the tools that we have in the bag for getting the job done? So we need to step three, use the tools in the bag. So we take out the tools when we open our mouths to speak. But what do we say? That's often the problem we have. What do we say? How do we actually minister healing to somebody? Well, the Bible's got several examples of words that we used in healing, which I'm just going to take you through quite quickly. The first one is... Uh, Words of command. We speak words of command. So Jesus rebuked Peter's mother-in-law's fever and it went away in Luke. Peter healed the crippled beggar at the temple gates by saying, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Paul commanded the evil spirit to come out of the fortune teller and she was set free. Peter rebuked Simon the sorcerer and his heart was changed. That's a good one, isn't it? But speak to it, speak to the pain, speak to the fever, speak to the condition, tell it to go, speak to it, speak to the leg, tell it to go. (laughs) That could be fun, couldn't it? Uh, Or tell the heart to function properly, speak to it, speak to the emotions, speak to the darkness, speak to the oppression, tell it to go. We mustn't be afraid to command things, but don't command people. Command things, but not people. I've got another exciting story, but I'll, just, I'll go on quickly then, as you said, as you ask. Um, so when we were in South Africa, I saw one of the most amazing miracles I've ever seen in my life. A lady who had no kneecap, and uh, she'd had it surgically removed, because I don't really know why, to be honest. But she'd had it surgically removed, but couldn't afford to get the rest of the operation done, and have a new kneecap put in, a false kneecap. So she was left with a hollow in her knee. And several people had prayed for her, but for some reason she decided I was the one that had to pray for her. So all these other people were praying for her, but for some reason I was the one that she wanted to pray for her. I don't know why, but that was a sign of faith. So I went with that. I said, okay. And I acted like I've done this all the time. And uh, so I commanded the kneecap to come back, to grow. And much to my amazement, because I'm a great man of faith... I saw a tiny seed appear in the hollow of, and that's the only thing I can describe it, like a seed in the hollow of her kneecap. And so I got excited about that. And I said, right, now, come on, keep growing. You fill this space. And I told it what to do. And I said, now move around a bit. And we saw it moving. And there was a crowd of, I don't know how many of us. James, were you there? James Firmage. Yeah, James was there. Oh, he missed it. He missed this miracle. And we saw it grow in, into place and she got up and she ran around a large lady but she was completely restored and she engulfed me with love and then uh, and we saw her didn't we a few hours later in the restaurant where we were eating and she came up to me she'd been telling everybody in the restaurant about how she was able to walk and what God had done in her life word of command I just commanded a new kneecap that is cool. That is really good. So come on, things. Don't be afraid to do that. Or sometimes we are led to do, uh, to make a declaration of healing. So a nobleman begged Jesus twice to come and heal his son. Finally, Jesus said, you may go. Your son will live. Um, Peter said to Ananias the paralytic, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Tidy up your mat. 
And after Paul had gone to the dead man, how about this one, Eutychus, he fell out the window and he lay on the floor as dead. How did Paul heal him? He didn't pray for him. He hugged him. He just went down, picked him up and hugged him. And he said, it's okay, he will live. I love that. I love that. Didn't pray for him. He just threw his arms around him. Don't be alarmed. He will live. The only thing I'd say about this, about making declarations of healing, you just have to watch uh, that you don't use it as a kind of a cop-out, like name it and claim it or something like that. I'm telling you it's done. It's just that you're not receiving it or you can get yourself into a bit of a strange place when you go down that route. So only do it if you're led by the Holy Spirit to do it. it. So, for example, I I prayed for somebody who had, had a really bad back pain and I prayed for them, nothing seemed to happen. Then the Holy Spirit gave me one of these lines and said, tell them, as they go from here, they will be healed. So, oh, no, I'd rather see the result now. You know, I'd like to see it, you know. And I got an email from them a week later. They, they weren't from here. They lived in London and said, as they got into the car and as they drove away, you could feel the pain diminishing as he was driving. When he got out the other end, his back was completely restored, and there was no pain, and he's been pain-free ever since. That was a good one. Offering prayers of petition, asking God. So Jesus put his fingers in the deaf and dumb man's ears, spat on his tongue, looked up to heaven, deep sigh, said, be opened. And so looking up to heaven is is an indicative of some kind of petitioning. And I would suggest that this wasn't a sign of frustration or boredom, but deep frustration, uh, deep <laughs> compassion, deep compassion. Um, this form of prayer isn't, please God, if you wouldn't mind, um, if you're not too busy, your will be done, amen. That's a cop out. Don't do that. I mean, apart from destroying any faith that people in earshot might have, it's just not biblical. Hebrews says that we are to boldly approach a throne of grace. We petition God boldly, specifically and confidently. And actually what we're talking about here is a a form of intercession. So petitioning God is a form of intercession. Uh, Finally, giving instructions to do something. In John 9, Jesus placed uh, mud on a man's eyes and said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man obeyed and he was healed. I remember praying in a a group of people for a man with a problem in his throat. He couldn't swallow properly. It kept closing over, kept closing over, and it was leading to breathing problems and all kinds of things. And I was leading that prayer group, and some young upstart said, I think God is saying you need to go home and swallow a spoonful of honey and you'll be healed. And I looked at him and thought, why did you come into this group? And what a silly thing to say. I mean, how is that going to help? And then I had to say sorry afterwards because the man went home, took a spoonful of honey, swallowed it, and his, and his throat opened up and he was completely healed. And I felt really rubbish about that. So, but I was excited at the same time. But be open. God will tell you to do some stuff sometimes, like go and wash in the dirtiest river which is what it was for Jesus here. Go and wash in the dirtiest river that we've got in this particular town and you will be healed. And the centurion says, hold on a minute. You know, we've got much better rivers where I come from. And they said, Jesus said, go and wash in that polluted river down there and you will be healed. Don't you love that about Jesus? All right, let's just finish with some general remarks I want to just bring. Number one, this is the most important one. In praying for healing, 
avoid weirdness. Don't be weird. Please, just be normal. I'm pleading. <laughs> I'm not, not looking at anybody here. But some people get so weird when they start praying for people. They, they come up with all these strange manifestations of breathing and goodness knows what else. Frighten the life out of un- unbelievers. What on earth? Is, are they having a heart attack or something? Just don't be weird. Just be normal. Just be conversational. Be low-key. Be you. Be you. You don't have to be like somebody else. So just don't be weird. All right. I love you, but just don't. Uh, don't be weird, but be confident. Don't freak people out. Number two, keep the conversation going as you pray. You know, I never get into this, I'm praying you can't talk to me. You know, When you're praying for people, talk, say, how was that for you? <laughs> how did that go? Are you feeling anything? Is it making any difference? Is it working? No, let's try something else. Be conversational as you go along. Does that mean anything to you? <laughs> the weird one really resonated with you, I can tell that. Yeah. Um, or uh, and thirdly, be responsive to what is happening. You know, you may need to concentrate your prayers on a particular area. If after you've had a conversation, they say, "Yeah, when you were praying about that, I felt something that felt really significant." Well, go back to that and pray about that again. Also, praying in tongues can be helpful if you don't know what to pray next, even if it is a bit of a filler. I haven't a clue what to do. Just pray in tongues. But often you'll find as you pray that words will come to you and you start to interpret your own tongues and you're able to pray in a way that you weren't able to before. And then finally, don't give up. Don't give up when you're praying for people. You know, you might have prayed for 10 people now and not seen a lot or not felt a lot or not experienced a lot. Don't give up. Just keep praying for people and trust him. He'll give you the breakthrough uh, in time. And I'm also... And also, I think, from the point of view of people who are, are, are pursuing healing, don't give up either, because I've just discovered that it, you, you can sometimes need to be prayed for a number of times because we're complex. People are complex. So I'm okay with people saying, can you pray for me again? Oh, I prayed for you last week. Do I have to? No, I never do that. I never feel that. It's actually a privilege. And sometimes I'll say to people, I said, is it okay if I practice on you? Can I pray for you again next week? Because I'm learning as well, and we can learn how to pray for people more effectively. So don't give up. So conclusion, three steps to healing. Create an atmosphere for healing. See what the Spirit is doing. Use the tools in your bag. Get those tools out and learn how they work. So let me encourage you. I know I've given you a lot of things to think about, but really it can all be summed up in one sentence. Learn to be open to the Spirit and do whatever he tells you to do. That's how we bring healing. It's that simple. And it takes time to learn to do that, though. And it takes practice. But he will show you. Jesus says, I'm going, but I'm sending you another one. He's a really good teacher. (laughs) He's the counsellor. He's the one who's going to come alongside you and teach you all things concerning me. And so we can be confident that he will teach us if we are dependent on him, if we determine to... uh, to rely on him, to be open to him.